2: Now one of the reasons in the Old Testament it was hard is in the Old Testament they didn't have a lot of information about what took place after death. It was kind of sparse. In fact, Job one time basically said to God, if a man dies, will he live again? Now when we get to the New Testament, we have a lot more information on what happens after death, but they didn't have many. So
0: part of his fear probably was, what's really going to happen after I die? Pastor Mark examines the portion of scripture where King Hezekiah was given a prognosis no one's ever ready to hear. He apparently had a terminal illness and didn't have long to live. Today's message doesn't go into all the details, but we do know he pleaded with God for divine intervention and was granted an extra 15 years. Wow! Wow! There are many things that can be learned from his life, but what sticks out most is his determination, faith, and dependence on God. Listen in to hear if Hezekiah took advantage of his bonus time wisely, or if he wasted it foolishly. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 20, verse 2, with his continuing study entitled, Take Advantage of Today.
2: Let me ask you early on in this teaching, are you? If you died before you left this service, are things in order? Is your heart right with God? You say, well, Pastor Mike, that, that won't happen. I don't have to worry about it. Notice, life is temporary. Just plan on it. Verse 2. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. In other words, he's reminding God, God, why, why this? Why now? So he goes to prayer, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. He enjoyed life. You'll see that in a moment. It's not wrong for a Christian to enjoy life. He didn't want to die. Now, one of the reasons in the Old Testament it was hard is in the Old Testament, they didn't have a lot of information about what took place after death. It was kind of sparse. In fact, Job one time basically said to God, if a man dies, will he live again? Now, when we get to the New Testament, we have a lot more information on what happens after death. But they didn't have many. So part of his fear probably was, what's really going to happen after I die? Keep your finger in 2 Kings or put your little piece of notepaper there. We'll be back later. Let's head over to the New Testament, to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Paul was speaking, and you have to remember about Paul. Paul, at one time, had a a, a trip or a visit to heaven. It was a vision, and he went to heaven, and he couldn't describe it. It was so awesome. So Paul saw what none of us have ever seen. And that's why I'm personally leery, a little leery, of people that will tell you about all their life or their death experiences right on the bed or they'll write this book of going to heaven and give all this detail or, or to hell or whatever, all tremendous detail, when Paul, who went there, said, I can't even describe it. Well, it's hard for me to think you and I going could describe it if Paul couldn't describe it. So I just leave it knowing it's going to be a great place. It's going to be an awesome place. Well, look at Philippians chapter one, verse 21. Look what Paul says. He had the same kind of a deal. You see, he was honest with God and he's, he's teaching these people in Philippians, the whole book about joy says this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now that is only true if you're a Christian. What Paul says, "I I love serving God. And if I'm going to die, that's all right, because I've already had a vision of what I'm going to. It's awesome. So actually, it's a gain compared to where I am right now. Verse 22. Now, if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful, circle the word, labor for me. You see, Paul was talking about, if God's going to take me to heaven, well, what happens with all those things that he wants me to continue to do here? Or I'm ready to go. In fact, I'd like to go right now. But watch how he explains it in the next verse. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be to depart and be with Christ, which is what far better. See, since we've never had that picture of heaven, never been to vi- heaven, and especially if you're going through a good time tonight, this verse relates. Now, if you're going through a little a little touch of hell on earth. You're thinking, anything's better, let's go. When we're doing good, Paul's saying here, I'm torn. I enjoy living here. Notice, I'm torn between the two and desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But, verse 24, it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. In other words, Paul knew Speaking to the Philippian church that God still needed him here on the earth to share to them, to grow them, to disciple them, to challenge them, to get them involved with the unbelievers. Paul also knew this because Paul had this tremendous desire to win the world for Christ. Paul knew this, that many people didn't get the spiritual walk with God yet. He, w- he was in, in pagan territory most of his life. And he realized, looking out among the people that were walking by the streets with him, they didn't get it. They had no clue what heaven and hell was about. They didn't understand the one true God. So Paul says, really, it's better if I stay for now, because God has things for me to do, and he was investing his life in who? People. You're going to get that numbers of times. You're going to hear all kinds of things repeated. Paul was investing his life wisely because he was investing them in people. Notice what he says here. It's far more necessary for you that I stay here. I'm staying because God has use for me here. Now, if you're still alive tonight, then what does that say? If you're a Christian and you're still alive tonight, What does that say? It says that God still has use for who? You. For me. He has things for me to do. He has people for me to share the gospel. He has good works for me to do. He has more discipling to take place in my life that I'll be more like Christ. And that means, I mean, it sounds ridiculous the way I said it, if you're still alive. Well, certainly we're still alive. So if you're a Christian, then God has more things for you to do when he's through with us we are out of here until then that's why I don't fear my death I don't know how it'll come whatever but when God knows that I'm through even though I enjoy life here I'm out of here he knows better than me so we don't have fear doesn't mean we want to lay in a bed with whatever disease. But there's really no fear because his timing. Remember, God's wisdom is always in God's timing. So uh, you have to use some prudence again and discretion. Now, what does this mean? It simply means this. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this. In other words, he knew since he's still alive. I know that I will remain and I will continue With circle the next word, all of you for your progress and circle the next word, joy in the faith. Life is precious. Enjoy it. Paul didn't hate his life. He was a little concerned about, man, I'd really like to go to heaven. It was awesome. But I know God wants me here. It's all right. It's settled. I'm here for you guys, and I'm going to have joy while I'm here. You see, in spite of the many trials, Paul still enjoyed life. It was a joy to him. John 10.10 says that Christ came to give us life, and that we should have that life full. Someone translated, and I've used this before. I love it. It says this. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it spilling out of every pore. Let me ask you tonight. And I'm going to challenge you a number of times on all of these. Life is precious. Enjoy it. Are you enjoying today? Not life, but today. Because what day do we have? We have today. You say, well, I'm still fussing over yesterday. (laughs) Well, we've all done that, haven't we? How much good has it done you? Can't fix it. It's gone. You see, we cannot choose how many years we're going to live. But we can choose how we're going to live those years. We cannot control negative people and negative circumstances, but we can control the attitude of our mind while we're going through those things. Paul says, I'm going to stay with you. It's solved. I'm going to be around people and I'm going to enjoy it. You see, realistically, as a Christian, and I don't mean to take this lightly, we're too blessed to be depressed. Is that right? I mean, stop and think what we have. We have the secret. We have the relationship. We have God. I want to read you a little story about a young boy. It's one of my favorite stories. I don't think I've ever used it, but you'll hear it again. This little boy was overheard talking to himself as he strutted through his backyard. He was wearing this real tight baseball cap and had a little ball and a a bat. And he kept saying this statement, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Now there was nobody around. But he just kept saying, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Well, he tossed the ball up and he swung. And guess what? He missed it. Well, he just yelled, Strike one! Undaunted, he reached down and he picked the ball up and he looked at the ball a little bit and played with it a little bit and he said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he tossed the ball up and he swung again and he missed it again. Well, he reached down, he picked the ball up, he looked at the bat, he looked at the ball, he spit his hands together rubbed them together, got his hat ready, and he said one more time, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he threw that ball up, and he swung, and he missed it again. (laughs) Strike three, he said. And he said this, Wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in all the world. (laughs) Is that right? How would we look at it? You say, it's a stupid story. No. (laughs) I think it's a great story. Because that's what life is all about. There's nobody that bets a thousand. We strike out often. But how we look at the things that come through our life and how we handle those things speaks volume to what we believe about the joy of the Lord in our lives. Speaks volume to me, challenges me to be very honest with you. Because sometimes all I'm saying is, strike two, I'm the greatest pitcher in all the world. You see, God has gifted you and he's gifted me. And he's given us those gifts to use. We're all different. Remember, life is precious. Are you and I enjoying it? The life of a Christian is a supernatural walk with a vibrant, dynamic, all powerful, personal God. That's who we walk with. That's who Paul walked with. He knew it. He knew to, for to me to live is Christ. Didn't mean he wasn't weird. He wasn't weird. He loved living. Do you love living today? That's the key. The word today. Now to remind you again, look up there at verse twenty-five. He says, "I will continue with all of you." Again, the important thing of life, the investing in life, is not about things, but it's about people. Are we enjoying people? Are we spending time with people, or mostly things? Do you know what the computer? can replace people. The television has. And we need to turn it off more often. The only thing that's eternal is people. Parents, let me ask you a couple questions tonight. Are you enjoying time with your children? Husband and wives, are you enjoying time with your spouse? Date night, member. Singles, are you enjoying time with your friends? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. There's one thing that will destroy the joy of living today, actually two, and I want to address them, especially at this time of the year. It's very strange to me, but this is very, very important during the holiday seasons. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Paul says this, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, I would like to tell you that he's writing this to unbelievers, but I would be wrong. He's writing this to Christians. Anger and unforgiveness wastes our time and robs us of our joy. The little word there, get rid of, in the Greek means this, to pick up and carry your way, to make a clean sweep. What Paul is saying is this, if there's people that have angered you and you become bitter and you're frustrated at circumstances, then get rid of it. Well, how can I get rid of that? You give it to God. But before you give it to God, you have to ask forgiveness of God and the people, circumstances, work, neighbors, church, whatever. Now, why do I say at this time of the year, this is important? Amazingly, during holiday times, and I hear it all the time, there's so much hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness within families. Now... I can't solve all that within my family or your family, but I can take my part. And the Bible says, I'm to go and try to make it right. And then Ephesians says, if the other people, parties, whatever, won't accept the forgiveness and they just keep on with it, then I can't do anything, God, because I'm to live in peace as much as is possible within me. So I want to challenge it this high. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't want to do this. Those people really hurt me. The Bible doesn't say They really hurt you. The Bible says you go to them. You make it right. You're the one that's responsible. That's the mature Christians walk. Look at verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You know why we're to forgive? Because Christ has forgiven us. Now you remember Jesus taught something very important. Those of you that are out there tonight and say, well, I'm holding on to this. Pastor Mark, you don't know how long this has been and this uncle or whatever. And let me just say, you try to do with it whatever's possible within reason with God helping you. If it won't resolve it on their part, then that's all you can do. But some of you haven't done that. You need to do that. You need to take the initiative and start that forgiving process. Remember Jesus said this, forgive us our debts. Then he said, but only really as we forgive our debtors. So if I'm not asking God to help me go to these people and ask and forgive us, I'm walking around with unforgiveness in my heart and bitterness. God is not forgiving me. Now, if there's unforgiven sin in my life, there is no joy. If there's no joy, then you can't enjoy life. You say, well, Pastor Mark, it's a lot more complicated than that. No, Jesus said it pretty plainly. Remember? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, what, sinned, made debts against us. He didn't say, uh, point number one, point number two, point number three. Point Remember what Jesus did on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You say, well, that fits with my relatives. <laughs> or neighbors. or That's right. But what did Jesus say? Forgive them. You say, I can't do that. No, you can't without God. But with God, you can. So I challenge you. It was unthinkable for Jesus to think that a person would refuse to forgive, especially a Christian. So if you're out there tonight and just kind of saying, well, I'm going to put that in the back of my head and I'm going to handle it, you're going to have to handle it because God's brought it to your forefront. You do what's necessary. And you watch God work in your life. Now, back to Second Kings, where you had your note. Chapter 20, verse 4. Before Isaiah, remember now, he's prayed. Hezekiah's prayed. Look what happens, verse 4. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came back to him. So he prayed, and God responded. Well, what is, what, what's God going to say? Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. And I want, I want you to just notice the eyes in these next two verses. The eyes mean God. It means God who's in control. Notice what he says. Go back and tell Hezekiah this. I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go to the temple of the Lord. And we're going to get into more about this in a moment. Now, now, look at verse six. As he does this, what's going to happen? I, who's God? God is I. I will add how many years? 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Notice, as we said before, God is in control. He's the only one that can create life. He's the only one that can extend life. Verse 7. Then Isaiah said to the king, Prepare poultice of figs. Here we are with natural medicines. And they did so and applied it to the boil. Many people think uh, this was really cancer in those days. We, we don't have a great picture, obviously, of exactly what it is, because you wouldn't die of a boil. So he says, "Prepare poultice of figs." They did so and applied it to the boil, and what happened to him? He recovered. This was nothing but obviously a supernatural miracle from God. Yet notice, even with the supernatural miracle, he had to obey what God told him to do. Now, what are we told to do if we have sickness in our body? The book of James tells us that we're to go to the elders of the church and have them anoint us with oil and the prayer of faith will heal us. So you're to do that. That's why we have prayer times at the back. When you're sick, We love to pray for people, and again, that can be extended outside of the elders, but that is certainly one form that we're instructed to do. God still heals today. Now, does anybody understand 100% of healing? No.
0: As we've been learning how to take advantage of each day, have you identified ways that you've allowed Satan to steal your happiness, kill your testimony, and destroy your relationships? Anger and unforgiveness are a waste of time and are the core of a fruitless life. Christ came so we could have life and live it to the full. So if you're going to supernaturally
3: do life right, then you'll need to get better, not bitter. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website.
0: Real wisdom always begins with a right relationship with God. In order to be able to take advantage of the days we've been given, we must first spend time with the giver. Getting to know our Redeemer through prayer and time in His Word Well, this is crucial when it comes to living life right and living it to its full potential. Make sure to tune in next time to hear Pastor Mark's insight and advice for prioritizing our lives and developing an eternal focus. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.
1: have seen and our ears have heard, His Word made flesh in a hurting world, a new hope He is giving, Lord let us hear your lessons for living.